going on grappling fans welcome back to another episode of who's number one i hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's show with manuel himmar and nat jelly did jesus a lot of fun talking to those two got another duo on today a little bit different arrangement here we're talking about the baja boys edwin what's up fellas how you guys doing <laughs> what's up guys thanks for having us on yeah how, uh, thanks for putting this together thank you guys Absolutely, I'm sorry it's uh, taken us so long. Um, I don't think we've checked in since since this all went down. How are you guys holding up out there, Edwin? Maybe you go first. Tell me uh, what you've been doing lately and how life's been going. Uh, I've been doing good. Um, obviously, a lot of free time since my my whole day consists of just doing jujitsu. Um, I became a professional uh, streamer <laughs> and a video game player. Um, I think that just gives me like a little outlet uh, to. Like compete. I'm I'm a very competitive person, so that just gave me an outlet to compete and um, and slowly but surely just trying to get back into shape. Uh, I've been running a lot, trying to work out, and uh, we and I, we just recently started some like underground jiu-jitsu training. So it feels nice to get on the mats um, after like seven weeks of not training. When you say underground jiu-jitsu training, how are you guys going about it? You just going with like a small group or what? Yeah, I got me Gabriel and like one other person and. Yeah, Gabriel's been teaching me a lot. It feels like I'm like a white belt again. Like, um, I think this like quarantine is actually like a really good thing for me because sometimes you're just in this routine, and like you don't get better every day. You're just doing like the same thing every day, and then like you don't really think about like what you're doing every day. You're just going through the motions, and then uh, like it was just nice just to train um, with like no time, like no other responsibilities, and like be able to ask someone questions and like learn jiu-jitsu. So I've been learning a lot. I think I learned more jiu-jitsu in the past week than I did probably the last, like, 10 years, honestly. I learned a lot from Gabriel, so it's 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 been nice. I've been getting, like, free private lessons, so it's cool. What about you, Gabriel? What have you been up to? Man, it's been good. As you mentioned, we started uh, training again because we're probably going to be fighting soon, so resuming my jiu-jitsu training. And uh, since the lockdown started, I was basically turning to a different athlete i was like man I'm, if i can't train jiu-jitsu i'm gonna bike uh to keep my cardio up to stay in shape um done like been doing like kettlebells uh probably like once a week but majority of just trying to keep my cardio up uh biking a lot road biking and recently uh back to the mountains too but now that i'm training more jiu-jitsu and then i, I reduce on the bike again but uh, I just need that, you know, that rush and the adrenaline that I'm used to to get in the training, uh, and obviously like uh, a good way to stay in shape. So uh, that's pretty much what I've been doing, trying to, you know, work hard in the back end of the gym too to keep everything uh, going. And 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 this is it, man. So were you biking? Had you ever done that seriously before this happened, or did you just pick it up after the gym's closed? Uh, well, I used I mountain bike. For a long time, since I, I hurt my my knee back in 2015, that was the only activity I could do more. So I, I started doing a lot of mountain biking uh, to strengthen my legs, and uh, and then recently 
beginning of the year, January, I got a road bike uh, to start pedaling more and more to to work on my cardio. And uh, when the lockdown uh, happened, and, and it was just like a perfect fit, you know, like you can just keep my distance from everybody, go from my house, and, and still stay in shape, you know. For sure. I noticed a little bit of uh, road rash there on your elbow. You take a fall the other day? Right. <laughs> yeah. The other day, meaning yesterday. Oh, man. You know, it looks to, gnarly. You know, Be my careful. knee and my, my elbow, I got too confident. Uh, <laughs> I've been ro- doing road bike a lot, so so it's very, like, unstable compared to, to mountain bikes. So I, I was on the mountain yesterday, and I got too confident, man, comfortable, uh, and, and I was like, man, uh, I've been doing this much harder than this, and I got like suspension, you know, like all of that. So I'm gonna hit some jumps, and that's when everything went sour. I went over the handlebars. Luckily, I know how Jeez. to break fall. Everyone that does jujitsu, man, <laughs> like when you when you're in those scenarios, it's literally a life saving moment, man. Because if you know if you know like how to commit to the fall, and you want to like post your hand, you man, you can easily break a collarbone, break your arm. So. Man, I've been on a few of those situations that jiu-jitsu definitely saved me, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Don't go mountain biking with Gabriel if you're not an expert. This guy almost killed me the first time I went, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm scarred for life. I, I will literally never mountain bike again. Like, he literally <laughs> fell off the cliff, got stuck on the bushes, and then we had to, like, <laughs> literally three people, like, kind of, like, hold hands together to reach to him. And he I was, like, fell. blaming on me. He was blaming on me, too, you know? Like, I had a GoPro a camera on and everything. He was blaming on me and saying, like, oh, man, you make me fall. I was like, dude, I'm 10 feet. Uh, apart from you, how is that my fault? I fell off of a cliff. Did you know it was an advanced run? Like, oh yeah, go go for it. Everyone, give that a try. Or <laughs> yeah, they put me on like a thirty mile thirty mile bike ride. I'm like, bro, I don't even know how to change gears. Like, you want me to do this mountain? Like, whatever, I'll do it. Okay, I'll, I'll just follow you. And I literally fell off the mountain in a bush, like flat back with the with like literally off the cliff. The mountain saved my life. I was like trying to call a helicopter. I'm not kidding. I was like, call the heli, bro. I'll pay. I don't care what it is. I, I was over it. And uh, I, you know what? I blame it on the drift man this guy shows up with a professional look all <laughs> cycling mountain bike gear glasses i'm like man this guy knows what he's doing you know never rode a bicycle before in his life but the drift was on, on point <laughs> fruit suit and everything bro i was ready bro. so edwin you've been gaming on twitch a lot then huh uh, i have um to be honest gabriel inspired me i, I was like looking at uh, there's a I don't know if you guys know about the app strava you guys should download it i've been watching i've been on, on his strava and like it shows all his bike rides and I was like, bro, like it's 11 a.m. This guy did 60 miles already. Like, <laughs> like, fuck. Like, I got, I, I got to step my game up. So then I, I better play some video games quick. Running, <laughs> I've been running like 15 miles a week, um, since I saw, since I, since I, since I saw Gabriel uh, biking all that. So, yeah, I've been trying to get active, get back in shape. Feels good. I've never really ran in my life before, and I really always hated running. So um, I thought, why not put myself in a really uncomfortable spot and get comfortable and. Uh, I've been running a lot. I'm still gaming. I've been on Twitch. Uh, I've been getting uh, killed by all these like 12, 13 year old orange belts that are out to get me. They literally bully me. Like they literally get in my Twitch and and, and then they just keep killing me. It's insane. Like they team up on me. And then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna invite all you guys. I'm gonna fly you guys out to my gym and I'm just gonna choke you guys out one by one and get paid back. But uh, it's it's fun to just stay connected with the community um, did- in a different way. How do people locate you on there? You got like a, a screen name or something? I've never, never used it. Uh, you can get me on twitch.tv slash enajmi. Someone stole my Edunajmi name, so I got to run enajmi. But yeah, hop Edwin in there. Najmi. You can talk jiu-jitsu and game, and yeah, it's fun. A lot of trolls on there. When I used to play uh, COD online, there was always people talking shit. 
um, honestly, uh, I gotta like mute like the game chat because uh, it gets like pretty toxic in there, and uh, some of my <laughs> friends are pretty toxic as well. But uh, <laughs> it, it's it's competitive. It's 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 competitive. Like I treat it like I'm in a tournament. Like I, I play battle royale, so it's like 150 people get uh, dropped into this map. And it's like literally like the last one, last one standing wins. So it's kind of like a tournament, honestly. It's like you're entering a tournament and you're trying to take all these people out and be the last one standing. So it it and like I, I'm literally like the last like five ten people. It's like I'm really nervous. Like I'm I'm fighting a tournament. So it's it's kind of nice. It kind of uh, replicates that uh, same like adrenaline and uh, like mental focus from a tournament. One uh, thing that we keep covering with people is uh, how can people that are at home and can't train right now, what's a way they can get better at jujitsu when the schools have been closed for a couple of months? Maybe, uh, Gabriel, you can go first. Man, uh, honestly, man, the physical drills that, that at least I teach my students, just by teaching the class, I, I man, it's hard. It's hard. It's almost like a high-intensity workout. Those that you go uh, either like kickboxing, uh, cardio workouts, or any high-intensity workouts that they do, uh, on sports performance, uh, it's pretty similar to that, you know, and, and it, it really helps you stay in shape. Uh, but you, you know, besides that, too, you can always like get creative. And, and I think kettlebells, it's it's like it's doable anywhere you you at. And obviously, going outside and and, and running, doing your cardio, it's uh it's the way to go. It's the way that kept me in good shape, man. I'm, I'm we're resuming jujitsu training now, and I, and I feel like my cardio it's it's better than when the quarantine started so you can definitely uh work other areas of your game and and now that people have more time that they you know they they can improve things that they're not good at for example like stretching you know stretching a lot of people don't do because it's it takes time but now that maybe you know like they have a little bit more time they can focus on stretching and getting better in other parts of your game so it's all self-awareness you know you got to know what you're good at what you're not good at and try to work on it for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think um, I think you're not gonna actually get better at jiu-jitsu technique, like as much as you study or as much as you armbar your your teddy bear. Like, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get better at actual jiu-jitsu technique um, during this time. Um, but like the physical aspect, as as Gabriel mentioned, is like it's huge. Um, yeah, I feel like my body is probably the best I've ever felt in my life, to be honest. Probably because I'm not getting murdered by these guys every day i'm not getting smashed every day of course that, that that's a big difference but uh i've been stretching every day for an hour and a half every morning the first thing i do is i stretch i've never stretched more than five minutes my whole life so that's like a big thing i've added to my routine uh i've been doing cardio i've never done cardio in my life uh three four times a week and honestly i feel better than ever um i did get smashed by homolo and gabriel this morning but uh that's gonna happen regardless but like Overall, my body, my flexibility, my like, everything, I feel so much better. So, as Gabriel said, uh, it's just a time to work on other things. Um, you can study jiu-jitsu, but uh, I don't know if, like, I don't know. Like, I see people, like, showing arm bars on teddy bears and, like, bearing bullets on teddy bears and, like, dummies. And I'm just, like, like <laughs> I get it. Like, I, I appreciate the effort, but at the end of the day, this is not the time to get better at technique. But um, maybe get better at, at uh, something else that you're not good at, some athleticism. So, yeah, I think right. that's the key. I think everybody's trying to like for like social media purposes trying to get super creative with it too right like the, you see people come up with these weird routines and it's like you could just do push-ups and pull-ups and go for a run too like, like that, that, shit, yeah. that shit works too <laughs> yeah i mean that's just social media uh, to be honest 
like I think I figured out like like the best um like way to kind of like replicate a, a jujitsu round after teaching eight weeks on Zoom. Um uh, which is like I literally have a, a, a dummy or a, a I use a chair personally. So then we, I, I we worked our way up to a twelve minute round. So I, I do this with all my students on Zoom every um three times a week. So we start on the dummy, side to side Toriano. So like you're not getting better at the technique, but you're getting better at like rhythm, uh footwork, athleticism, cardio. We do that and then we go in the middle, we like shadow wrestle, stance, uh shots, sprawls, sprawls. And then go on your back, you could do those belt drills, you could do triangles, you could do cross strokes. And then like I basically just mix that up like in a high intensity way. It's kind of like a, like a circuit workout, but like with jiu-jitsu movements. So for me, that's like the best way I've, I've, I've found to like replicate a jiu-jitsu round. But um, yeah, there's not really anything like trying wrestling with another human and him trying to strangle you. So there's nothing like it, but... Um, yeah, I agree with you. There's been some crazy, crazy IG videos, and I'm like, bro, like these guys are, are borderline embarrassing. They should delete that right now. So, I get it. <laughs> so I first found out about you guys when you were purple belts. When you guys used to always travel around, and like I, I would even see you. You guys were doing a lot of stuff. I saw you guys like Chicago Open when you were purple or brown belts. Like you guys used to travel together and compete a lot. How did you guys first uh, meet each other? Um, you can go ahead, Gabe. <laughs> well, long story short, Homolo came in 2011 to my hometown, Belo Horizonte, and uh, we were training, and he was planning, uh, he was just opening up his school uh, here in California, and he was, like, uh, trying to bring a group of people to, for a training camp for World, and then he said specifically on, a, I remember, it was, like, a lot of people at lunch, you know, like, those hezanias after training, and he goes, and guys, I really need a blue belt lightweight to beat up a student of mine. He talks a lot, you know, and then I need someone blue belt lightweight. And everyone just pointed out, oh, blue belt lightweight, you know, got to take Gabriel, you know. So, <laughs> uh, and uh, Philippe introduced me to Homelu and then we came to, to the States and, and uh, that's when I met Edwin, you know. And uh, one month in, bro, oh, not even a month, like two weeks in on training camp, we... We, we fought the Abu Dhabi trials, you know, and then I barely knew him, you know, and, and, and we ended up closing out. And I mean, it was it was super cool, you know, like it started like a good bond right there, you know, uh, uh, closing out the tournament, you know, like I never won a Abu Dhabi trials before. And uh, I, I came here winning a big tournament. It was like it was pretty recognizable back in the day if you win the Abu Dhabi trials, you know, and then we were able to to have a really good performance and then uh our friendship started right there and and just became stronger and stronger so in bella Horizonte, you're from you're from bella Horizonte, right i'm from bella Horizonte, yes this, that's the same place homulo's from pergisa's from so it's a the gracie yeah. baja stronghold for sure it, had you always been training at uh, the gracie baja school down there yeah i started at uh, a smaller school in my neighborhood but it was affiliated with the gracie baja bh uh which is the headquarters there from uh for dracolino that built the whole team and then i, I moved i i started training at the headquarters as a blue belt that's when i met leap i met uh all the you know all the high level competitors that were there already uh and then philippe introduced me to homolo we came together here and then i uh after the years i i i, I moved here too so uh that's kind of how it, how it started I went to Bella Horizonte before. It's uh, I went to Felipe's gym one time. It's pretty pretty interesting academy, right? I had no idea yeah, what I was getting into. It's like setup yeah, ever. Yeah, you gotta hey, you gotta go through a ever. checkpoint and show your ID before they even let you into the neighborhood. And I was like, 
what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, it's gated community, and the, his gym is uh, it's on the basement. But man, it looks it looks so incredible. Like it's a huge space, super high ceiling, and and uh, and and it's, man, it's right there in his house, you know. And then he can just go downstairs, and uh, it doesn't get more convenient than that, you know. The structure is amazing. So many tough guys training there. Uh, I've got some uh, some tough trainers in my memory for sure on that spot. Gabriel, I want to bring it back a little bit. Uh, we'll do the same thing for you, Edwin, here in a second. But before we jump off topics, um, why did you even start jiu-jitsu? You know, we, we, we kind of heard about when you came up to beat up Edwin and about those early purple belt days. Um, but where did it all begin for you? And, and did you know right away it was something that was going to be your life or uh, was it just kind of a fun hobby? I, I don't know. Tell me about it. Man, I kind of knew it right away, to be honest, because uh, I was super competitive and everything I was doing up to that age, I started at 16, which is kind of late. Uh, but anyway, I was competing in everything I was doing as far as like soccer, chess, swimming, uh, all kinds of sports that I was in. I was trying to compete, you know. So when I started training jujitsu, just randomly because of some of my friends were doing, I was uh, I would train Muay Thai on that, on that academy and they had a... Uh, opening jiu-jitsu training too so they convinced me to give it a shot and and man right the first training I, uh, that i had i already knew i was gonna do that uh forever you know like i was like really into the sport and it was just a matter of time before i was uh starting competition too because i, I was like i said I competing in everything and one month in i enter a tournament which was kind of crazy you know but it was just like one guy in my bracket white belt juvenile but it was man, it was it was a great experience. You no, know, right there and then I was like, man, I'm gonna keep doing this for for a while for sure. How did you do in that tournament after one month? Man, I had one move. It was just like a close guard uh, wrap around the arm kind of triangle, and uh, that move stuck with me for all the way to the end of the blue belt. I was that was my go-to, you know, and I, that's the only move I knew. To be honest, I didn't know anything else. I was like. Uh, one month of training, you know, like in training like two times a week. So I had like eight sessions of jiu-jitsu, you know. So I knew that one move. And I was like, man, if it goes out of the close guard, if I don't pull to the close guard and I'll pull that triangle, I don't know. Like I, there's no way I can win. And then I, I was able to pull it off. And it was a pretty amazing feeling like tapping someone uh, on a tournament, you know. And then uh, and then I won the whole thing. And and. Right there, I was like, man, I'm, I, okay, what's the next tournament? Okay, where, you know, like, where's the tough trainings at? Like, what do I need to do? And and I kept adapting everything to make it a career. One by a triangle, your first tournament last month, and not bad. But most people who come on here say that they were, like, fat and chubby when they started and got killed in their first <laughs> tournament. But Gabriel had a good start. <laughs> True. Uh, uh, Edwin, uh, so if I understand correctly, you were with uh, Hamil your entire jiu-jitsu career, right? Um, yes. Um, I grapple like briefly once a week. at like a karate dojo. Um, pretty before that. <laughs> so how long? <laughs> so it sounds pretty suspect. I don't know. <laughs> so, so, so this is how I started jiu-jitsu. I used to literally, I used to, I used to love UFC. I used to love GSP like in the beginnings. So I, I was like, I'm like a little, um, Younger, I wasn't around like when Chuck Liddell and Tito and Royce were fighting. I wasn't, I was too young for that. So like, I think like maybe 14 or 15, I was like a big fan. And my, my parents literally wouldn't buy the UFC pay-per-views because like, I don't know, they didn't like it. So I used to go to my cousin's house 
and he used to buy the pay-per-views and then after like he would like grapple with me like put me in kimuras and all this stuff and i was like yo like screw this guy you know like i, I literally want to beat this guy this is my goal i, I, I want to train to beat this guy and my cousin was training at with go uh the sambo legend yeah and that was yeah. kind of yeah so that was kind of far from my house i couldn't go train there so i i went and trained um at his affiliate so there was like a karate dojo and they had like one of his like i don't know one of his like instructors teaching there every friday so I started really training at this karate dojo. I would do karate like on Monday, judo on Wednesday, and then grappling on Friday. And and after a year, um, I started beating my cousin up. And then I started realizing like I was actually like probably one of the best guys in this karate dojo because they weren't really learning jiu-jitsu. They were just grappling. Like this is like Eastern Europeans, Armenians, like we just do that. We just we just like we don't really care about technique. We just want to scrap. Like that's just like in our blood. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna go seek out some better training. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to find a local jiu-jitsu spot. And one day I was at Subway eating a, like a Subway sandwich, and there was a jiu-jitsu place right next door uh, with Muay Thai. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna walk in and see what's up. And they're like, oh yeah, we have this guy, Homelu Bahal, freaking world champion, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like there's no way next to Subway, random place. I walked in, it's Homelu, like, and then uh, yeah, ended up being the best ever. So I got really lucky. Did you know uh, about jiu-jitsu? Like uh, when you were training at karate school and you wanted to find better training, what what made you decide to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Um, uh, I didn't know what Brazilian jiu-jitsu was. I just wanted to grapple. I, I didn't know anything. I hate. I was like, I have to wear a gi and grapple? Are you kidding me? Like that's so whack. So uh, I didn't want to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I just wanted to train more grappling and submission grappling. And by chance, the place I walked into was like, Homel Bahal was teaching there. It was like pure luck. I could have walked into a freaking Krav Maga place and it would have been a Krav Maga master today. I don't know. And I probably, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not kidding. And honestly, the hardest decision ever was like leaving that karate place because like it was very small, like 30 people, 40 people, um, like all Armenians, like family. And they actually like threatened me, like almost jumped me. They, they, wow. they, they tried to jump me uh, after I left. They called me a traitor. <laughs> oh, like, oh, you traitor people and all, and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, rough transition, but um, here I am today. How old were you? You were young, right? 16. Yeah. I was no. a bad kid, man. Like 14, 15. Like I was, <laughs> I have some crazy fight. Uh, yeah, I have some crazy footage. I'm going to try to find the footage of me getting expelled from my first school. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like scrapping in front of like 600 people. So I was a pretty bad kid. So jiu-jitsu just gave me like a, an outlet and a, a passion. Um just something to do every day. Like, I didn't know what to do every day. I just got in trouble. So, Jiu-Jitsu just gave me, like, a goal, and I just stuck with it. And then next thing I knew, I was like, all right, well, I'm not really getting anything else, and I hate school, so I'll just train Jiu-Jitsu every day and just see where this goes. And, yeah, ended up pretty being pretty good. That uh, karate gym was no joke, dude. That's like Cobra Kai. They tried to jump you for for switching. That's some real. Like, we, oh, talk, yeah. about, we talk about Kriyonchis <clears throat> and Jiu-Jitsu. That's, that's next level. Oh, like I used to train, I used to literally get, when I used to train at this karate gym and we used to grapple, like this guy, the, the head, like master, uh, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't watch this. Um, he, he, he would doesn't. like walk around with a bamboo stick and like literally hit you while you're grappling to make you tougher. So like, it was like insanely old school. Um, I have, like that, I, clip <laughs> I have a crazy clip. I have a crazy clip. I'll send you guys. Uh, I had an MMA fight, uh, in the dojo when I was like 15 against like a heavyweight. They basically put me up against his heavyweight to like lose. Because, like, you know, like, I have, like, uh, you know, like, 
my energy like I'm, I'm trying to be like i'm trying to be the best guy in the room i'm you know I'm, I'm i'm not like i am a really nice guy and humble guy but uh you know like he's trying to like just like make me shut up and then i freaking like just beat the crap out of this guy i'll, I'll send you guys a video it's a really funny video this sounds like, kind of uh, awesome yeah <laughs> this is running sketchy unlicensed like mma fights core. open weight i muay thai kicked this guy like seven times i freaking judo throw him armbar i think gabriel's seen the video it's uh Oh yeah, so, um, I want to see. Yeah, it. I was born. I was born fighting, pretty much. So, yeah, so, that's my story. <laughs> something. Uh, the first time I found out about you, I think. I think probably the first time a lot of people found out about you. And you've probably talked about this a whole bunch in your life. Yeah, the, fl- the flying triangle at, at Worlds. Yeah. How crazy was it? Because I mean, people who who weren't paying attention to purple at that time, Nicholas Marigali was like the Terminator. Like it was yeah. like nobody's gonna beat this dude. What what what, what happened that day? Because I I believe you lost your weight and then came back to win the absolute, right? Yeah, you know what's crazy? I I swear like Gabriel can vouch for this and everyone can vouch for this. During that whole training camp leading up to the worlds, we all knew Marigali was the man and we all knew he didn't lose a match. And I would literally joke with them and I would say, "Bro, can you imagine if I, if I fight the opponent in flying triangle, Marigali? Tell us, right, Gabe? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I would literally always joke about that, and I'm like, "Nah, I'm not gonna fight opponent." But can you just imagine if I did? And then, uh, yeah, man, that day, um, I, w- I won the Pan Ams. I won every tournament. Um, I was in the final of my weight class against a guy that I beat, I think, two or three times. Like, super overconfident. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to smoke this guy. And then that guy beats me. And then it's like the absolute, probably the lowest I've ever felt in my life. Um, I was like, I never even cry, honestly. I don't show emotion. But I cried for like three hours. And then uh, I was like, man. And the home was like, fight to open weight. And then I was like, uh, bro, I'm going to get smashed. I'm a featherweight. Like, and then, um, yeah, I fought it. Uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to sign up. So I signed up for the open weight. I look at the bracket. And I'm like, fuck, bro, look at the fucking bracket. Like, I got John Combs, Gutenberg, uh, Jared Dopp, and then Marigali. And then some other, like, super heavyweight that I had to fight. So I'm like, fuck, like, how am I going to beat these guys? So I literally took, like, five scoops of pre-workout. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm going to win. Fuck it. Like, I'm going to somehow win. And then, like. I don't know. I just started like taking like I I, I tapped Jared Dahl, flying triangle, boom. I freaking tapped Gutenberg, boom. I tapped John Combs, boom. And I'm like, oh, oh I, I'm just like gaining like momentum, gaining swagger. Um, and then like honestly, when I got in the final, uh, Homo looked at me and he's like, bro, the freaking coach Merigali's coach Mario Hayes just looked at you and laughed at you and he said he's in the final with a featherweight. Like make him eat his words. Like I'll never forget that. And I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go. And I just. Fucking just, I don't know, I just sniped him, headshot, you know, I just went for it and I got it, so. That was pretty epic, man, because Edwin, uh, to give a little backstory, you know, like, Edwin wasn't supposed to fight that open weight, you know, like, he was, imagine if if you look at that, you know, like, that bracket, not not even the bracket, going a little bit back, final of the featherweight, he's supposed to fight Rick Slomba, you know, I watched Edwin beat Rick Slomba. I, I could be more, but I watched at least five times uh, in the past seasons, you know, and then Edwin would always beat him. It's not like he was even close before, you know, but somehow like Rick Sloma pulled that off, you know, in the final of the world championship and then Edwin, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he had a, a world championship title yet, no. right? No. So imagine you lose a final of your weight class to a guy that you always beat, you know, like and and and. and and then if he won that featherweight, he would never fight the open way. Knowing Edwin, you know, he would for sure be celebrating, like, popping champagne outside the stadium, you know. <laughs> but no, he lost, right? He Facts. lost, and it was a devastating loss. So the mentality that he went in to the uh, open weight, it was like a match. I've never seen anything like that. 
uh, he, man, going, man, if you guys know, like, all of them, like, Jared Dobb, back in the day, like, people would struggle to score, uh, score takedowns, points on him, almost impossible, Gutenberg is a monster, you know, yeah. John Combs and all of the guys, to, to flying triangle Mergali, a guy that was, you know, unbeaten in that year, too, it was pretty incredible, man, that, that year was insane. Yeah, just to, uh, to say that he, I mean, he tapped, uh, for a purple belt bracket to fight four different guys who all became big name black belts. Like Jared Jopp met medal at ADCC. John Combs mm-hmm. has beat some really good guys. Gutenberg was a killer. I mean, he's still really good, but he was a killer at the color belts. That's how did how did yeah. you beat Gutenberg? You tapped him too. Yeah, like a like a little half guard triangle. Um, that's why sometimes I I think about it. I'm like these color belts, like purple belts, like don't take them lightly because they're going to be killers at black belt like really soon. So. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like the the That's gap true. from the gap from purple to black is is so so quick. Like the day that happened, um, literally one year after that, I was a black belt. After that day, I got my black belt exactly one year after that. So it was it was insane. So I went from like being like a random purple belt kind of I didn't have any titles to boom one year later black or uh, whatever two two world championships brown and black uh purple and brown and then I have my black belt and then one year after that I'm fighting Lepre in the final and I'm like everything just happens so quick at the lower belts it's 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 insane you know and you're like holy shit you know so it's crazy so it's, you hit uh, that, it's a crazy ride you hit that flying triangle what do you do then you pop some champagne uh, I think we went to Vegas for like five days, right, Gabe? Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, a good time. So, uh, we, uh, was what stays in, you know, what happened to Vegas yeah. stays in Vegas. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to celebrate. I always feel sorry for the guys who win the Purple Belt Absolute because it always happens like on Thursday night when there's nobody there, like like 9.30 on Thursday night. It's a, that's true. It's, it's that's a great... There's no one in the crowd. If you, if you watch the video, there's literally no one in the crowd. I have like 50 of my friends there, and there's no there's there's literally not a single other. There's There's no other matches. It's the last match of the day. Yeah, there's so, like ten, uh, ten yeah. diehard people there, and then there's just like a bunch of workers who are just waiting for that match to end so that they can pack up. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm like, get this shit over with. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I have an epic picture of like 40 of my friends, like absolutely losing their fucking minds. Like I've never seen, I've never seen anybody, like I've never seen people lose their minds like that in my life. You know, talking about homo through a yeah. shoe, like people are losing <laughs> t-shirts and like fucking, like fucking blowing up water bottles. Like it, it was like the most epic moment. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, crazy moment. So I think I'd like to talk a little bit more too about training at uh, Baja Northridge, training under Heimler. It's got to be. Uh... I had a thought actually on that note. What was that first session like, Edwin? When you when you were like, all right, I found this gym next to Subway. I'm pretty good at my other place. Yeah, you know how how did that go? How, how lucky <laughs> stum- stumbling across uh, you know one of the greatest of all time. Was yeah. that a wake up call? I mean, what did that first uh, session go like? Um. So I I walk in. And he's like, yeah, beginners do gi. And I'm like, uh, no, bro, like, I, I don't train the gi, you know? And he's like, no, no, no like, begin, beginners only, you have to you have to start in the gi, man. And, I, and, and I'm like, like, you know, professor, can I just do no gi? I've trained a little bit, whatever. And he's like, all right, yeah, do, do the no gi class. So I had to literally beg him to do the no gi class. And then uh, I thought, I, I honestly, I thought I was pretty good at jiu-jitsu. Um, and then he put me with, like, a 300-pound purple belt. You call him Little Larry. Larry, I think he's like the one of the first guys that I trained with. Um, I got smashed pretty bad that day. I think like one moment I remember from my first day was um, I think the guy had me in double under, and I was like squeezing his uh, squeezing. I was, I was like literally like scissoring his his head like a clothes guard and like just squeezing his head. 
and I thought and I, and I thought that was a triangle. Like for literally one year, I would squeeze people's heads up from double under, and I thought that was a triangle. I didn't know you had to have an arm in it for the triangle. And he's like, "Get the arm in." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Like, I got, I got the triangle. And he's like, "No, no, bro. Like you got to put the arm in." So, um, yeah, that was like probably like the funniest moment of my first day. But uh, I, I I didn't really realize his greatness until way later. I like he was just my coach, and uh, anyone I, I I think anybody that uh like. I, I just trusted him. I don't know why. And, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he would hang out with me after training. I was, like, a 16-year-old kid. Um, I didn't realize how hard he worked. Like, he would, he, would, he would work so hard. He would do, like, first point training for, like, fucking two hours because he didn't have training just to get tired to train. Um, he would climb the freaking rope every day. Like, he, he, was, he was, like, a different breed. Um, I didn't really take I, – I really took it for granted. And I didn't realize, like, I was really, like – this guy was, like, I compare him to Kobe Bryant. Like, that's the person I compare him to. People are like, yo, how's home I'm like, he's the Kobe Bryant of jiu-jitsu. Like, no one works as hard as this guy. Like, you don't realize unless you've been around him. So I really took it for granted. But, like, today when I look back, I'm like, dude, I was really surrounded by something great. Like, something that I could talk about for the rest of my life. Um, being, being uh, like, right in front of your idols, seeing him win. Like, he didn't, he won his first world championship the first month I started jiu-jitsu. Or, sorry, second world championship the, the day I started jiu-jitsu. So uh, it's crazy just to be there along the path. And um, yeah, truly blessed, man. Very lucky, honestly. I don't know if like, I don't know who, who, who God or there's like a higher power that made me go in there that day. But uh, I'm truly blessed to um, grow up and just see my idol um, go through his career right in front of me. Shout out to Subway. Uh, so- Literally, yeah. And, and, and now we're down the street and we own a gym. And that gym is like owned by someone else. It's crazy. We're, yeah. the, we're the competitive gym of that gym today, so it's a crazy, crazy, crazy life story. So, Gabriel, so you uh, got recruited by Hamilo to beat up Edwin when you were a, a teenager in Belo Horizonte. <laughs> what was it like when yeah. you first came to the USA? How long were you planning on staying for? What was it like up there? Like, did you have a lot of adjustments to make? Man, I, I didn't have – first, I didn't have to think twice before coming here and taking that opportunity to train with Hamilo and to join Philippe uh, – during his training camp, you know, uh, I, I put a break on my, I was going to college back then. I was 19. Uh, so I put a break on my college and, and I promised my mom, my, my dad, that I would resume that after, uh, I, I did resume it after the six months, but didn't, uh, didn't stick with it. But anyway, I stay here. I train hard. That's the only thing I would, we would do is just follow homeless training schedule which was basically all day every day back then the everyday pojada was called uh, all day every day so he would have like a, a, a whiteboard and then he would write that uh, all day every day and we always would have the training of the week or whatever we were, we were doing you know and it was basically man all day training would hang out in the gym when the training was like um just around the clock from the the time that we uh, finished the previous one and it was all day thing, you know. And I stayed six months here, and they would come back to resume college. Uh, still competing in Brazil for a little bit, and then the 2013. That's when the year that I just came by myself. It wasn't for a training camp. I just came here to to, to stay with Hamilton, and um, I was a purple belt already. And uh, and then I start, you know, being more close to Hamilton more and more. You must have uh, really liked what you saw and what you were doing to come back like that. You know, what was different about the training with Homolo? Was it him as a, a person, as a coach? Was it the types of drills and training you were actually doing? You know, what, what made it uh, worth coming back to the U.S. for? 
Man, all of those things, they are, they are great, you know? Like, people will always mention uh, the work ethic that you, that you learn from someone great like Homolo, you know, the, the energy, you know? But mainly, like, what made me come back was the accountability that, that he was holding myself onto, right? Because he would, uh, he would literally, like, he, Homolo is very straightforward, you know? So if, if you see someone that's putting in the work, he would he would tell it like he would do everything for him. But if he sees that somebody that's lacking, they would he would tell like on the mat in front of everyone's like, look, you're not gonna win a world championship, you know. And then back then in a group, a big group of people, like he would always like point me out, you know, like this year, he would point. I don't know if Edwin remember this. There would be like 30 people on the line. He would go yeah. one by one. You're gonna win world championship. You're not. You're not. You're not. And he would go one by one, you know. So. Uh, even in 2012, like as a blue belt, that would amaze me. I was like, how is this guy saying that I'm going to win a world championship? Because when I don't even have the confidence to back that up yet, to say like, oh, I'm going to win for sure. You know, his, his guy's counting uh, 100% that, he, that I'm going to do it, you know. And when you have someone great like that, you know, like uh, putting all their that energy and confidence on you, you kind of want to, you, you always want to prove them right. You know, you want you, you want to make sure that, that all that energy was uh, wasn't in vain, you know. Like he he's really doing something, and then I need to keep doing that work to 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 get what we are working for, which was a world championship uh, gold medal. And and Edwin knows this. Anything less than that was was trash, you know, for for him, for all of us. So that was a very uh, high. It, that's why we relate so much. Like Edwin mentioned, Kobe Bryant. Now, like I'm watching the uh, Michael Jordan Michael Jordan documentary. Man, the way that like Michael Jordan would treat the teammates, you only drove them to be better, right? And then like I relate that so much uh, with Homolo because he would do the same thing, man. He's not gonna be the nice guy to or nowadays he's more nice for sure. But like back then, <laughs> he's not gonna be the, the nice guy. Yeah, man, you should you should be you're doing this right, but I think you can fix this. No, he's gonna be straight on your face, uh, with the truth, you know, and and, and if you like it, uh good. If you don't how good to you know like he's gonna say it you know so that honesty that that confidence that he had on me and and you know like seeing everything the great things that he was doing all made me want to be around him hamel has yeah. been very very open uh on the podcast actually on this podcast about how how he made you guys better but it's kind of beating you up a little bit maybe you guys could share some stories about some of the worst homolo beatdowns i want i want to hear some of those nightmares maybe you might have. <laughs> Edwin, the worst the ones are for sure before Bella was born because then he got a little bit more soft. But, but yeah. when he didn't have kids, man, like Psychopath. we used to, we didn't like him, man. He was like <laughs> like a general, you know, like in the military that everyone's looking up to, but nobody likes because like he's like making us miserable, man. But that paid off, you know. But man, we would like, I don't know if, uh, like Edwin remembers, we would do 12 six-minute rounds uh, on Wednesday morning. 12 six-minute rounds with one-minute break, okay? You're not allowed to leave the room or go to the... Because I remember in the valley, it's super hot. Whoever, whoever lives in the center of the valley know how hot it is. And in summer, man, in Northridge, it gets steamy on that room. Man. And, no water break. And no water break, yeah. So you got if you go to the locker room where there's a little bit of ventilation, bro, he will call you out. He will <laughs> kick you off the training. You know, if you're two minutes late kick you off the train and make you do a thousand uh push-ups or whatever but anyway we'll do 12 six minute rounds and then we'll have we'll finish that after the drilling the specific training and everything i was just mentioning the rounds 
12 rounds of six minutes with one minute break. And then we'll finish that and we'll have 30 minutes to rest so we can put the shoes on and go running to a track field where we will do sprints, you know? On those sprints, and then by the time you're ready, dead. But on those sprints, there's a, a line of people who would stay like 10 feet apart from each other. And if someone passes you, man, I don't even remember what he would do to us, but you cannot let that person behind you pass you and you need to try to chase the person in front of you but those sprints i remember just the wednesday it was like stuck to my memory because it was those one of the worst days yeah i mean like he, he was like a psychopath honestly like we didn't really like him honestly like I, I i remember one day he's like yo like why don't you guys invite me to the house like let's hang out on the weekend and i'm like bro like i i i, I remember this because he always reminds me i literally told him i said dude you're not my friend <laughs> Like, I don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> I don't want to see you. Uh, I see you on Monday, and then uh, uh, you know. So like, yeah, he was like, he was insane. Uh, we unfortunately we didn't have flow grappling or any media like covering at that time. It wasn't even in, like he wouldn't even post on Instagram because he thought that was a distraction. I remember that clearly. Like, uh, but he was like an actual psychopath. I wish someone documented. He was insane. He. Uh, I remember like the one quote that he told me. He looked at us and he's like, "You see this piece of trash?" And he kicks the trash can. He's like. That's you until you win the worlds. <laughs> you're a piece of trash. You're just saying you're garbage. You're nothing. And I'm like, bro, like, you know what? Screw the, like, honestly, what fueled me was like, you know what? Screw this guy. I'm going to prove him wrong. You know? I like, that's what fueled me, you know? So, so I'm being Gabriel different. But honestly, my, my goal was like, dude, you know what? I'm going to prove this guy. I can hang with him, you know? Like, I'm going to prove him. I'm, I'm going to prove him. I'm elite. So that was like my motivation. But he was, he was an absolute, like, there's so many guys that quit. Like I can't even tell you. There's so many good guys, lower belts, that that literally quit training jujitsu, or, or or just train for fun now because they came and trained Homolo and they couldn't hang and they got like absolutely mentally shattered. And Homolo would literally tell him like when they when they would sit around that he's like, bro, honestly, just go home, go back to Brazil, go back to Canada, wherever you're from. Like, yeah, you don't have what it takes, bro. Don't don't waste your time. Honestly, yeah, just 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 go home. Like he was like brutally honest and he he was absolutely insane. And I think like maybe like only like. I don't know, like four of us, five of us made it out until then from blue to black, because uh, he was crazy. But well, we all and we all we all turned out pretty good. Um, but yeah, he was a. Uh, it's I don't think any coach in the history even was that mean on their on their students. No way. Ruthless. I would have never guessed. Jaime was like the nicest guy in the world whenever I interacted with him. His has changed him. You know, like um, I used to always tell him, I was like, dude, like you need new hobbies. Like you need a fucking hobby. Uh, you need something like to just give you like a balance, and I, I I always knew like if he had a balance, like he would he would become like an icon. You know, I always told him that, and uh, I think having children and having uh, creating a family just gave him that balance um, of like, and he kind of like understood the the world a little better. But uh, before that, he was he was absolutely insane, and I definitely, yeah, he wasn't my friend. It's <laughs> so funny. What are what's the uh, what are some of the different personalities like training around there? Hamilo has told us. A couple times when he comes on, he always talks about how Pergisa is double dipping. He says Pergisa double dips. Yeah, he's the king. He he created that definition. Um, yeah, if if you if you score an advantage on Philippe, God bless you because like, all right, keep going. Like uh, he's definitely double dipping you, or maybe even if you tap if you tap Philippe and your name is not Gabriel Largest or Homel Bahal, <laughs> you are you, you are definitely getting triple dipped. Like that is a fact. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, don't don't do it. Don't do it. So, yeah, uh, we we definitely have some interesting personalities. Um, I honestly, I would say, 
we're probably the only team in jiu-jitsu, I would say, that has, like, a wide variety of personalities. I feel like all the other trainings and camps, they're, they're all kind of, like, the same, right? Um, but uh, I would say we probably have the most variety of personalities. Like, I'm pretty crazy, and I talk a lot, and whatever. I have, like, a like my own style, and Gabriel's, like, super disciplined and, uh, you know, um, dedicated to his craft. Philippe is just insane and would try to kill you victor's like a tasmanian devil homo's a drill sergeant so it's 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 really cool honestly um i almost enjoy like the like the talk after the training the hezania more than the training sometimes because it's cool just to be around that group oh yeah uh yeah that's, that's the best part right having a good environment you, you know you go to some gyms it's sort of cold and it's like just like strictly business it's like, yeah i don't like training in those places too much either <laughs> Yeah, and also a, a thing that, like, Homo instilled in us from the beginning, um, he never tried to make us, like, a copy of him. Um, he always told us to do our own thing and become our own version and have our own personalities. And um, I think a lot of other coaches, like, create robots in themselves, you know, like, clones of, of themselves, and you kind of see it. Like, they're literally, like, mi like, like mini-me's of these guys. And uh, that's not good for sports. Um, to be, like, a, a you, you got to be your own athlete, you know, like, your own brand, your own personality, your, your own style. And I think Homolo, even though he was so mean on us and so harsh on us, he allowed us like to express ourselves, like creativity, have our own style, ha kind of do it our own way. And uh, and he would coach us in different ways too, right? Like he's not gonna like that. That he he told Edwin, "Are oh, you like that piece of trash?" You know, he'll like, never say to me because he knows like I'm gonna like react differently than Edwin is. You know, Edwin never called you a piece of trash, just Edwin. Like, man, yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm not trash, man. I'm gonna prove him wrong, and I'm gonna win that world championship. You know. When, like, if you say that to other people, obviously you would be, like, uh, not, you wouldn't react uh, too well or they would, like, not be motivated to train yeah, at all. Yeah, some people you know? are going to Yelp and but give he you will, a negative review if you say that. He knows what to say uh, to each individual, you know, which is important to it. Like, home, like Edwin said, he's not trying to uh, make anyone turn into a, a second homo Bahal, you know. Like, he knows that everyone's have a different um approach to things you know because there's not really a recipe man like you say like look guys um, you got you're gonna do this this and that abc uh drills this this time of the week you know like every, i think everyone's different you know like that never worked for for admin you know admin is like more of a freestyle you know like he he will he'll perform better in competitions when he's uh nowadays obviously he's been through the hard part but like he will perform better in competitions when he's more uh relaxed in training you know and and not taking things so so uh serious you know i would say but but yeah man he does a great job with different athletes for sure touching on that uh real quick it's a question that we always like to ask these our, our guests um you mentioned that homolo's not interested in creating clones you know and you guys both have very different styles of jiu-jitsu very different games uh, who were some of the guys that you were, you were looking at for inspiration? Maybe when you were white belts, or even today. I mean, who uh, who influenced your game though? Coming up is what I really want to know. Um, like besides Tommy, besides like, Tommy, anybody Lowe. that like you watched and you were a fan of, and you're like, oh, this guy's got cool jujitsu or anything. I would, uh, I would definitely like my biggest inspirations to not just like mindset, more technical, technical uh, techniques wise would be. Michael Lange, uh, because he was so flexible playing guard, and, and, and I I try to emulate that a lot uh, back then, especially, you know, Leandro Lowe definitely was a huge inspiration for me. Um, 
there are others too, but definitely the the main two would be Leandro Lowe and uh, and uh, and Michael Lange. I would Man, say people have said Leandro Lowe's name on here so much. I know <laughs> samurai <laughs> legend. How about you, Edwin? Um, I would say the person that I uh, looked up to the most and tried to emulate the most besides Homolo. Honestly, I never even tried to be like Homolo's game. The person I tried to be like the most, and I think you can see from my game, is was Braulio. Um, I love his submissions. Like I remember, I remember so clearly being a white belt in 2009, and then seeing the Gracie Mac photo of him uh, inverted triangle Andre. Like that was like the most epic thing ever for me, you know. And like the ability that he had to just like he always went for the submission the ability to like always go for submissions like different submissions and just have that like like that entertaining style like he was a showman like he put on the show um that was someone i always looked up to and i always tried to be like and you can look at my game like most of my game is, is pretty much braulio people call me like a little braulio and i think throughout the years be, um eventually uh becoming friends with him and hanging out with him um i kind of like tried to be like him as well uh, on the personality side like he's like probably the nicest guy ever he's friends with everybody he's cool he doesn't really talk shit um but he is loud at the same time right you always you always hear Braulio's voice so yeah. Braulio's definitely someone I, I i always look up to you know like he's like an older brother to me i, I love that guy so you do the esteem a lot too you got a good esteem a lot i do Braulio himself said I do better than him. I'm not going to agree with that, but uh, I, I love the Steam Lock. Um, I love the inverted triangle. I did it on my last match. Um, man, I, I I really like his game. I like the same thing. He's a little taller than me, uh, but we're both like tall and linky, and we go for submissions. So um, he's like he was like the perfect person to look up to and try to copy. So uh, something I like to pick the brains of people about on, on this show is uh, what people do mentally to get ready to compete. You know, I think the mental side, I think everyone will agree, is such a, a big part of competing. Uh, what do you guys do to – like? is there certain music you listen to, a certain warm-up routine you do? Is there like a certain r- ritual you're weak of? Or like, Gabriel, how, what do you do to get ready to compete, to get focused? Well, uh I think, yeah, the mindset involves a lot of things, you know. Like, for example, like if I'm not – if I'm just out there fighting and I didn't do a training camp, my confidence is already going to be lower. You know, that's a huge part of it. But as far as, like, week of the tournament, uh, I I try to not do anything related to jiu-jitsu uh, when I don't have to, you know. Like, I, I try to do all the homework before and, and focus on, in uh, like, having fun watching a show, anything that would take my mind off. And then the, the day of the tournament, it's obviously a very, like, it's a tough day. You, you deal with a lot of emotions. So... I try to not hype myself up with like too crazy like hip hops and like songs that would be too hyped up, but more like calm music because there's a lot of adrenaline going already. And then, uh, and I mean, after I did a seminar with uh, his name is Winhoff. He's like, yeah, known for uh, the Iceman. He climbed the Everest on his underwear and and socks, you know, and he had like a, a whole group of people with him doing it too. So that's a long story short. The guy, how the guy uh, meditates. Uh, how he he teaches like breeding methods that are super effective, and then I do I I, I did a in person seminar with him, and then I learned how to do that breeding exercise, and then uh, I do that breeding exercise in the day of the tournament, man, and and it helps me a lot, you know. Because when I finish it, I'm already feel like much calmer, you know, like I'm ready to go. Like obviously I warm up and I'll, I'll I do all the jujitsu related things that uh that it's, it's always been done for me, but. Uh, as far as like outside of jiu-jitsu, I, I really like the meditation that Wim Hof um, 
teaches. The Iceman. I uh, found out about him when I was interviewing Liera. Liera does the breathing, too. And he told me about him, and I yeah. looked it up. Now I do it. I do the breathing exercises. I take the cold showers and all that shit. I, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I haven't nice. taken a warm yeah, shower in like six months, man. What? I'm not down with that dude, at all, dude. The only, the only time, <laughs> the only basically the only time I get in a warm showers is if my wife's getting in there. She's not. She's not down <laughs> with the cold shower. <laughs> you meditate in your underwear and socks too? Huh? You meditate in your underwear and socks too? Well, it doesn't get cold enough down here for us to. <laughs> yeah. We're in Texas. Cold, cold here is like 60 degrees. So, uh, permanent cool. sauna here in Austin, Texas, basically. It, it's hot right now. I'm fucking sweating right now. It's in the valley. It's. What, uh, what about you, Edwin? What's your routine before you uh, compete? To be honest, uh, I'm the best. Uh, I think I'm the best when I don't have a routine. I just like, I just do my thing. Um, every time I like psych myself out or try to focus or like watch it, watch some footage on the Gamma Fire or think about jujitsu or try to have anything structured, I've, I'll probably. I think I've lost like ninety percent of the time. So. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm good as like a free spirit, you know, um, I like to just, I don't even think about the tournament. I don't even think about who I'm going to fight. I, I don't even like, I don't think about any of that. Um, I just treat it like it's another training session. I do, I do all the normal things I would do. I show up to the tournament, like I'm driving to training with my, in my car. I'm listening to my favorite hip hop music or whatever rap. And, uh, I just get into that groove. Um, Sometimes it's it's crazy because sometimes you you know like you're gonna fight shitty that day. Sometimes I'm just like warming up and I'm just not feeling the groove. Like I'm not feeling the rhythm and I, I literally know that I'm not gonna fight good that day. It's crazy. And sometimes I'm in the groove and I'm like, all right, like I'm gonna dust people today. So, um, yeah, man, uh, that's probably why you see me perform really good sometimes and sometimes really shitty uh, because uh, <laughs> that's just like that's just like. My performance really uh, depends on like my my mood and my attitude that day. It's crazy, and uh, I, I I haven't figured out how to uh, what makes me better or what makes me worse. But um, yeah, I just show up. I listen to my favorite beats, and if I get in the rhythm, I'm ready to kill. And if I'm not, I'm still gonna try to kill the guy. But um, yeah, man, I I I don't enjoy. I don't I don't know. I don't enjoy like meditating. I don't enjoy. Uh, like being confined to one like movement like i don't feel like i don't feel like i don't know i, I look at myself like a, like an artist like an entertainer and like if i'm like really focused and like pressure on me like i don't like that so i like to just have fun and enjoy the moment yeah what, what amazes me about you guys is you're so opposite from each other but also i was about to say we're yeah. so different if you can tell <laughs> that's why we're best friends like you know we're complete opposites like absolute opposites like Every time I travel with this guy, I'm always late to the airport, and he's literally like, he gets so stressed out that he takes his own Uber, and he's like, "Bro, I'll just meet you at the terminal." Like, I'm not fucking with you. Yeah, I'm over. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have stress (laughs) because Edwin decides to be the last one on the plane. You know, like I'll meet him at the uh, aircraft, and even on the tournaments, I can't go with him because I like to be there at least at least one hour and a half early. You know, because sometimes they call fights an hour early, so just like that, you gotta be an hour early already so I, le- I need at least an hour and a half Edwin is like they're they're gonna be calling his name a few times before he actually jumps in the bullpen you know so he loves the that stress the the you know like the multitasking kind of thing that he's walking to the venue at a pyramid like he already received a few phone calls that they're calling his name he's carrying his gear on one hand his coffee spinning on the other hand and he's running the pyramid downstairs to to catch his fight you know i i can never do that. Never. I I, I think I I will lose a, a, a 
a blue belt tournament if I do that, you know, because I need to be like, at least, you know, like my mind needs to be there. But uh, I will say this, um, being so freestyle like myself, that, that leaves me vulnerable. And sometimes I'm so confident and my mind is so strong that um, that makes me lose. Or like I won't even prepare sometimes for a tournament because I'm like, dude, I might just show up and ball out. And uh, that's definitely been a downfall <laughs> for the past couple of years. So <laughs> honestly, during this quarantine, I thought about it a lot. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to refocus. I'm going to get a little bit of routine back. I can still show up and just... Uh, of course, like do that, but um, I, you know, I, I, I want to like gain like a little bit of that routine back, like that work ethic back, uh, because I've been guilty of just like I mean Gabriel knows I'll literally fight a tournament with no training. I'm like fuck it, like all right, maybe <laughs> I might just show up and beat everybody. Or I might lose, but whatever. I don't care. I'm not scared. So uh, being fearless and having that carefree attitude sometimes is uh, it's not the best thing for your career. Uh, but I think uh, as I get older and I get more mature, I, I you just like look at your problems and and the things you do wrong and then uh you just try to find the balance so i think i'm slowly yeah. trying to find the balance it's important to say that to the new athletes coming up too because uh we had that happen in the gym you know where people start like trying to do what edwin was doing you know like but they didn't realize that edwin like even when he started doing that he put a lot of years of work already you know he was he was super dedicated and follow everything through and then his personality start his personality started like uh, being a little bit louder, and then he made it work for him, you know. But the the new athletes like Blue, Purple, and Brown, they started thinking that they could do the same thing that Edwin was doing in the blue belt and then still make it, you know. But it's not realistic, you know. And then it was always like, you know, homeless job. And then sometimes myself too jump in and say, look, this you can't be doing that, you know. Like Edwin's doing that, but he first of all he's doing he's he's trained hard for a good number of years and and then even now you know like he his his style is not something you can emulate you know like it, it's just like it's 100% uh, submission oriented you know he just goes there and freestyle on the spot you know not a lot, not a lot of people can pull it off so it's uh i wouldn't say to the new up and comers to you know like try to emulate anything like that for sure yeah don't copy me yeah. <laughs> you gotta put in the work you gotta put in the work before you can just show up and ball out right but um, um, yeah i mean not even that just the attitude of just showing up and just fighting like you know uh it's, it's it's hard like people like people like think i'm lying They're like oh no like you must have a game plan i'm like dude I, I don't even know what a game plan is I'm never even like you know gabriel always tells me i get dms all the time bro please pull double go double uh guard pull in the beginning of your match you literally win half the matches you lost and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have it in me, but we'll see. So what are your guys' uh, favorite moments in your career so far? It doesn't have to be the, the biggest win or anything. Like, What would be a, a accomplishment or a, a win or something that really stands out to you Like that you look back on and you're like, that one meant a lot to me? What would you say, Gabriel? Um, I think, I think 2017 Worlds was... It was pretty big for me. Uh, and uh, 2013, No Give Purple Bell Worlds. Everyone knows this history behind it a little bit. I told a few times that I was like completely injured, about to give up the competition jiu-jitsu. And then uh, I fought super injured and I won. So that was a boost of uh, feelings to, to motivate me to keep training and stick to competition jiu-jitsu. But uh, definitely the 2017 Worlds, you know, like uh, I, I closed out the 2016 with Otavio, I, 
I beat all the like big names on that bracket, you know, and, and it was a good feeling to, you know, reach the top in the first year black belt. I, but I still had that, you know, like I, I wasn't the champion kind of thing in my head, you know, and, and on the paper too. So being able to come back the the next year, 2017, and, 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 and crush it, you know, like submitting the finals and having an amazing tournament, it was, it was pretty big for me too. Yeah, it's got to be like a different feeling, right, where – Obviously, a lot of people, everyone considers you to be a world champion the year before, but it's just sort of off a handshake. Like, when you go out there and you tap somebody in the world finals, it's got to be a lot cooler, right? Oh, yeah, man. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a completely different feeling, man. And, and yeah, closing out has that downside, you know, like, you, the team wins, really. Like, everyone is happy on the team, like, like happy for you, happy for your teammate, but, there's always going to be like someone that's going to be on the, on the other side. That's going to, uh, for my kids, for example, I, I didn't have that world championship. Yeah. Uh, in my head. So I had to work one more year and, and, uh, and then 2017 being able to come back and actually win and, uh, and actually fighting someone on the final two, it was much bigger than like just Otavio closing out with me and giving it back, which would have been great too, because Otavio was like helping me on that, in the, in that season so much too. But when uh, Chinooko made it to the final uh, on the way, I was like, you know what? It's even like it's good too because I'm gonna have to earn it and and not just like have that title given back to me. Um, and it was a lot of pressure because I in my head I wasn't world champion yet uh, in a way, you know. And 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 I went I went into the finals and and being able to submit it was it was uh, it was a great feeling, man. Most people consider you to be a three-time world champ. Sounds like you can. Counted as two world titles, then, huh? Uh, nah, three I times. Pay attention yeah. to the to the number of uh, of titles, you know. Like uh, when they, I think nowadays the Hall of Fame, it's 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 not by the number of titles anymore. So that's not taking my head, you know. Like uh, yeah. I in my head, like I, I did a great tournament in 2016. You know, I beat Calazans, which was the current you know world champion on that division. I tapped him. Uh, I beat Celso Vinicius too, which was another world champion, you know. So in my head, like, I, I was comfortable with my performance. But, yeah, I didn't consider if if my career ended right there, I, I I would definitely, like, not be happy with it. You know, I wouldn't walk away saying I, I was a world champion, you know. But, yeah, two, three times for me, uh, it, oh. it's just, you know, it doesn't matter. Your road was crazy that, that year. I'm looking at it right now, 2016. Your first match was Hibbomar? Man, Hibomar and and man, it was a crazy match. Insane. He was, be- eight he to was eight. beating me six two on my first round. Yeah, it's down sixteen. He was beating me uh, six two with uh, I believe it was twenty seconds left, and and I was able to man, take him down and and I don't even remember. And then toe hold out of bounds, and then I got I tied up, and I had more advantage than him. But it was like kind of like last second too, and and I almost lost to him. And then the second round was. Celso Vinicius started like uh, taking me down, passing my guard, and almost tapping me. And my head is purple. Like I was like pretty close to go out. And after I made that day, man, I beat Celso Vinicius. I beat Hibamar that way. I was like, man, there's nothing stopping me now, you know. And that's when I, I, I tap uh, Calazans, and then I tap Tinoco to make my way to the finals with um, with Otavio. So it was a good run, man. One yeah. of my best runs in the world for sure. <laughs> that's a hell of a run just to make it to the final. Hibamar, Celso. Calisans, Tinoco. That's pretty crazy. That's yeah. Legit. What about you, Evan? What would be your answer to that question? 
Um, I want to just backtrack a little bit. That was like probably the most one of the most epic runs ever. When he was fighting Hibimar, I literally I, I literally remember seeing I was next to Gabriel's mom and his mom was like borderline crying, like she's screaming at this guy. And I'm like, I felt so bad for it because I'm like, dude, he's down by four points and he and and he's on top. He's on top of it. He's in Hibamar's like lapel guard, and there's 25 seconds left. How the hell is he gonna go score four points? And this guy does a toe hold and then the, the double leg. To win in 20 seconds, like I've never seen that before. That never happens in jiu-jitsu. Like I want to go rewatch. It sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. he probably like a 99% probability to win. So like that was like that was an insane moment. Was that when you Nibar Kalasans too, or was that the year before? No, that was the same year. Yeah, that was the same year. Yeah, so that was that was an insane run. Wow, that was a fun run for sure. Yeah, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't have any cool moments. Cool moments at at the worlds like Gabriel. The the only moments I have is uh, getting smashed by Lepri in the final. Um, <laughs> and uh, but uh, I would say the craziest match I, I I'll tell you the craziest match I've had. Right. Uh, craziest match I've ever had. Uh, um, unfortunately, there's no footage on flow because we don't we weren't covering ACB at that time. But um, Marcio Marcio Andre was so I fought this like ACB Grand Prix. Yeah, that match was awesome. I, I watched that one live. That was an awesome match. Yeah, so I I, I beat this Russian guy and then I fought Michael Lingi. And then I beat Michael Lange. But while while I was fighting Michael Lange, I tore my LCL uh, when I was taking his back. And then uh, I was in the final against Marcio Andre, and I already had like all this money guaranteed, and like just to fight the final. So I was like, all right, whatever. I'm just gonna show up and just get you know just get murdered. I can't, I can't even walk. I literally can't walk. So then I saw the fight, and then uh, Marcio Andre is like literally like murdering me. Um, the score, <laughs> the score is like it, it was like literally getting embarrassed. Like I swear, like I was like, I, I think I'm just gonna tap. Like this is getting bad. Like I think it was 28-0 or 30-0, something really bad. And then Homo's like cussing me out. He's like, bro, don't give up. All this, all this stuff. And then the ACB format was like rounds. So the round ends. I'm in the corner. Homo's yelling at me. He's like, bro, like you're, you're fighting. Like what the hell are you doing? You know? And I got so pissed at Homo. And I literally told him to shut up, and I got the water. And I dumped it on my head, and then I went out, and then I tapped this guy being uh, after being down thirty zero. So uh, yeah, that day uh, I unlocked like this. I don't know this crazy samurai spirit. Like, like I don't know how the hell I came back from back from thirty zero, but I did. And uh, yeah, that was a crazy moment. And that was the old picture. I'm on like homeless shoulders of Gabriel. I'm like screaming. So that wasn't. Uh, I watched that live, and I thought it was a plan. I thought it was like a Muhammad Ali, like rope a dope, like let him tie, tie, <laughs> tire himself out, beating you up. That that was he was really killing you for the beginning part before that comeback. Uh, oh yeah, I, I wanted no part of him. I was I was over it. I was like, <laughs> my, I can't walk. Like, come on, bro, just tap me. And he had me in a choke, and like I don't know, like he couldn't like properly do the choke, so I like get out of the choke, and then he gets me an armbar, and then I think the round ends with the armbar, and then the second round I get armbar again, and I get out, and then I'm just like, fuck, I don't know. And then Homo's like, bro, he's tired, and I think like. Me getting it, like, I literally got in a, an argument with Homolu mid-match. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened in Jiu-Jitsu history. I was on the corner, so I remember. Yeah, I literally got in a fight with him. So, like, getting a fight with Homolu and, like, getting, I was, like, so fired up from that. I'm like, bro, again, I was like, dude, fuck this guy. I'm going to put this guy wrong. I'm going to go tap this guy, bro. So, this guy shuts up. So, I literally went and just tapped him. <laughs> Did, did you watch that match? I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it. You, hey, when you sound like you're a stressful guy to be coaching, man, I, <laughs> I don't want to be in your corner. You know why? When they coach me, like, dude, I, I like to be like, uh, okay, I, I said I'm not, I, I don't meditate, but I like to be zen. Like, I'm in this fucking, like, I'm in this crazy, like, artistic mode, and I'm just like, you know, like, I'm going to do this, you know, and this guy's telling me, like, go for the single leg, go for it. I'm like, bro, calm down, chill. And he's like, he's like, don't tell me to chill. You're down 30 zero. I'm like, bro, chill. Like, it's chill, you know, like, fuck. 
let me breathe. Let me let me think about this. Let, you know, let me figure it out. So like, yeah, so that's why. Um, but yeah, man, um, insane moment, um, crazy moment. I think uh, Homo too would be the the one coach that I would never want to compete against. Like if I'm fighting someone, yeah, knowing what he does on the other side, like how he can like really he's in your ear the, your opponent's like mindset mid fight like. Uh, I would I would want none of like homeless athletes if I was from another team, you know. He's I have that too, man. There are some guys that when I'm gonna go compete, man. There are some coaches that I'm like I'm more comfortable, man. Okay, that's it's one thing. But when it's like some specific coaches like there that I know they're good, man. Like I, I go to those <laughs> fights, like okay, I gotta be extra. Like I need first of all, I need a corner, and then sometimes I don't. I was like, man, I'm gonna have to pull off uh, some extra. Extra stuff, different different strategies here because I know the coach. It's it's good and it makes a huge difference, man. Coaching is big. Coaching coaching is huge. Uh, even like even if you have someone that's just yelling in other guys' ear, trust me, a lot of jiu-jitsu guys are, are weak mentally. A lot, like ninety percent of them are really weak mentally. And if you have a guy just like talking in their ear, um, it, it's it's gonna break them. Like I remember that match specifically. Homo was literally yelling in his ear. He's like, he's breaking, yeah. he's breaking. He wants Mario. to give up. Yeah, he's he's up thirty zero, and like, and you know, it's funny. I I I I love Marcendre, by the way. He's one of my favorite competitors, and he's a really good friend. And I literally talked to him uh, before the third coast fight. Me, him, and Homelu were in the lobby, and Abamar playing billiards until five a.m. Just talking about his life, and like we were talking about this, and like Marcia was like, "Bro, like Homelu's the freaking most annoying coach." I literally wanted to punch him <laughs> that day because he just kept yelling in my ear, "He's tired, he's tired, he wants to quit," and like I was actually tired. So it's like it's it's really frustrating to have someone like that in your ear uh, when you're actually tired. Yeah, that makes it even more epic. Because yeah, like I said when I watched it, I was like, I thought you didn't try for the first half to tire him or something because he was killing you. And then there's almost like something out of a movie. Like you just got destroyed for the first half, and then you come back and destroy him for the second half. It's like. Like when you see a boxing match like that in a movie, you're like, yeah. fights, fights never happen like this. <laughs> yeah. If it was a UFC, people would say it's rigged or something. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I was getting slaughtered. But um, yeah, I don't know. I have the ability to just do crazy shit in crazy moments. And then sometimes in the moments where I'm supposed to win, I lose. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's just who I am. All right. I uh, I pulled a couple matches uh, from you guys. I just sort of randomly selected some, some subs. I wish I would have pulled a couple of those we talked about, but... First one is, uh, this is uh, Edwin from uh, 2016 Worlds. This is your semifinal versus Gabriel Hola. Yep. Oh, that was a fun one. So what were you thinking okay, so, right here? Um, dude, I'm so, I was so excited just to make it to the second day um, on my first year at Black Belt. And then I beat Lyra, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm, I have a medal. I'm guaranteed a medal. Like, I didn't even think about making it to the final. And then, and then I was so scared to fight Lengi, to be honest, this day. And then Gabriel Hola beat Lengi. And then I was like, all right, like, this, this is it. This is my chance. And, uh, yeah, try flying triangle. Right off the bat. Yeah. yeah. True Najmi style. I think I almost get it. No, he gets out. How often do you, you know, throw up a- those flying triangles in training you throw those things a lot uh, i used to do a lot more but uh you know when you get older and your back hurts um i try to save it for a tournament uh, i tried one today on gabriel actually but um yeah i try to minimize that risk <laughs> um you know it's crazy to me like honestly i was so bad at this moment in my career like i don't even know how i made it to the world championship final i'm i, I will literally spank this kid right now if i fought that najmi today um so it's just crazy sometimes you're just so confident and you're just like 
fuck it, you know, you just charge it and then uh, make it to the final of the World Championship your first year. So, what do you, what do you think about 2016 Edwin's haircut? Terrible, trash. <laughs> but, uh, that's life, right? You improve. So right here, I jump in the dars, guillotine. Um, I, 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 do, I, do, I do the number one mistake that I always teach to not do is leave the hand on the hip. I didn't clear his hand, but I was so, I was so like nervous and like, I was like, dude, I have to get this. I have to get this. I have it. I have it. I have to tap this guy that I just went for it. And then I get the tap. So crazy. And right here, I'm just thinking, I'm like, holy shit. I'm in the block for World championship final. What did I get myself into? And I'm like, <laughs> it, it was just like insane. You know, you're just on like autopilot and uh, yeah, man. Gabriel Hall is a cool guy, though. Really cool guy. I I, I kind of felt bad for him, um, but it yeah, is what it is. But dark. yeah, it's insane. Honestly, dude, I was so bad at I I, I literally like I was not good at jujitsu at this moment at this moment in my life. But like again, just having confidence, like one hundred percent confidence that you're gonna take somebody out. It just sometimes it just works. So. Yeah, your Dars is so uh, dangerous. People are always talking about your triangle, but I think your Dars. I mean. I remember you, you darced Vitor Oliveira off a single leg. You've darced some really good people over the years. That's a hell, hell of a weapon of yours. Yeah, I mean, I think people just think that the darts doesn't work in the geese, so that just makes it easier for me. And uh, the darts was just like a weapon that um, everyone was worried about my flying triangle at this moment, and they didn't they didn't really know that I darced. So um, it was just like my, my, my sneak attack. Gabriel, what's it like rolling with Edwin? He's got all these dangerous weapons. That he can, he's got the flying triangle. He's got the Dars, the steam lock. Like you got to stay on your toes against him, huh? Man, it's so annoying, you know. But that's what it's so good to train someone like him because then when you fight those submission oriented guys that doesn't care much about points, you know, you're more ready for those uh, sneaky attacks, you know. But man, so sharp, man, so sharp, you know. Like when he gets the hands around uh, your your neck. Not much, man, you can do, you know. And the triangle, too, man. Like, the adjustment of submissions. Obviously, how he gets there, it's pretty it's pretty sick, too. But uh, I think the adjustment of not losing the those submissions are, like, are key for Adam, you know. Like, I've never seen Adam locking a, a, a hands together on darts like that and never, and don't get a finish, you know. So that's pretty that's pretty huge, too, that you don't see a lot. Uh, and it's like that, man. My headphones just fell off. But uh, but when we're training, it's always um, it's always it's fun, you know. Like he, he opens up a lot because he always attacking, always getting uh, new positions, and 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 makes me a lot better, man. So Gabriel, I put up a match of yours too from the very same uh, worlds, the worlds that we just talked about. I, uh, I had, there was a couple knee bars here. I want I I chose the Calisans one. So here it is versus was Calisans returning champ this year. Yeah, yeah, and to give a little backstory too, uh, like he tapped home loan a leg lock probably three weeks before that on the Abu Dhabi Pro or four weeks before that, and yeah. uh, and throughout the whole match, it's it's funny that Hyle was saying like, oh Gabriel's got to watch for the leg lock, Gabriel's got to watch for the leg lock, and then I turned into a leg lock of my own, so it was pretty <laughs> pretty interesting, you know. Yeah, I remember that that knee bar on Hamilo at the Abu Dhabi World Pro. I, I didn't realize that was right before this match. Yeah, yeah, he was the returning champion, the middleweight uh, black belt world champion. He was also the the current ADCC open weight champion. So he was right down, to, like close to be best pound for pound at the moment. I would say. Yeah, and uh, well, 
He he loves 50-50, and you've got a dangerous 50-50 game. Is that something you were thinking about going into this matchup? Yeah, to be honest, like I, I I'm I'm pretty comfortable on a 50-50 whether I put someone on a 50-50 or they put me in, uh, whether I'm defending or I'm or I'm attacking. So uh, I was okay with the game being uh, being there if he if he end up there because you know that's something that I do well you know so uh, I was always like always cautious with his uh, with his like some sneaky attacks he's got some guillotines some wrist locks. Uh, but the 50-50, I wasn't too worried about. Uh, yeah. I was worried about defending the leg lock well in a good timing to be careful with it and, and, and overall just like letting my game flow. Yeah, people watching this now who know you as a three-time world champion wouldn't appreciate the fact that, yeah, this is the quarterfinals and you're going against the returning world champ. Like Most people wouldn't have had you even making the podium this year. This is Cal Sands' yeah. favorite. Yeah, and I almost didn't make it like twice, but two fights before that, I barely won too. Uh, but there were like those matches were good because they made me fearless. You know, I was like, man, I made it. I wasn't supposed even supposed to be here, so now I can risk it. You know, like that was a good point for those previous matches. You know, and and that's what happened. You know, I was just letting it flow. You know, I knew I was chances were I would have like some opportunity on the fight. I just needed to be smart and, and take it. You know. Yeah, this was crazy. I remember watching it, and I was like, I didn't even know what happened, to be honest, you know? Like, Gabriel was an underdog, like a huge underdog. Like We were, we were just kids, like, just first year, right? First year of black ball? Or no, second yeah, year? First, first year. First year, yeah. And I was like, all right, hopefully, hopefully Gabriel beats him by an advantage, you know? Because it was a close fight for the first couple of minutes, you know? And yeah. I didn't even realize he tapped him, to be honest, you know? But I was literally standing up on the barrier, and, like, the whole pyramid was silent. Because we didn't really have fans at this time, you know? Like, we were just up and coming. And I was just screaming. Good yeah, thing. I remember the crowd. The crowd was going crazy, you know, like because competing up to the brown belt, you're kind of like it's so different, you know, because you kind of uh, you don't have that much attention, you know, like, like you're you're mentioning, like sometimes you compete later in the day uh, and whatnot. And this, the second day of black belt awards, it's always like everything I dream of, you know, like the black belts are fighting, everybody around is watching, you know, so it gets reaction out of the out of the public, you know, which was, man, first time I felt it that way, where, you know, like, I get a tap, and, and there's this loud noise uh, in the pyramid that, that gives me chills, man, you know, just, like, thinking about that. Like, a few situations like that uh, happen again, too, like, where the whole, like, gymnasium were going crazy uh, that I remember, but it's definitely something that, you know, it's a different feeling. And there is the 50-50 uh yeah we have that battle to to come up he does he does sets up that grip uh and then my goal there is it's open up because i scored a sweep right so i'm trying to get out of the 50 50 so i can develop a little bit better game and not get stuck there until the end of the fight that's when i step out and there it is the hips is up the legs extended i'm able to bring the hips in yeah i remember it was pretty solid as a quick tap. And, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, and I start yelling, I'm winning today. I'm winning today. It was, That's, I remember uh, this. It was good. I, I, yeah. You're one of the, there's so, 50, 50 gets such a bad rap, uh, as a stalling position, but you're one of the, the few people that really goes out there and attacks in there. You've tapped some really good people in 50, 50. Yeah, man. I, I have a good record on it. You know, like I, after I did this leg lock, I start pulling up more leg locks, more submissions from there. 
and uh, more escapes overall too, you know, and and, uh, and it becomes a huge, you know, weapon because fights nowadays, whether you choose or not, they end up on the 50-50, you know, like majority yeah. of like world's black belt fighters from last year, they had some sort of 50-50 in it at some point. So uh, it's better knowing, you know, like what to do when you get there than uh, not knowing anything. That was a tight one. Calisans was limping on the way out. I saw that. Well. Yeah, it was a tight one. I remember it was like a loud pop, you know, and, and uh but I think he recovered pretty quickly after that, which was good, you know, but uh it was a it was a tight position. I used to do your move that you call the knee bar just where you like trick the guy into thinking he's coming up for a sweep and then you you swing around for the knee bar. There's yeah. Like, there's like a YouTube the Yeah, knee... <laughs> Yeah, it's a slick <laughs> Shout one, out man. to Zane. He was the one that that named it. Uh, knee bar, knee bar. Just, I even made the the DVD uh, just on the some of the moves for you know for the season that I was doing way more even back in the day. Uh, but it's a it's a good tricky movement. I mean, I just I never drilled it, never did it on training. You know, to be honest, you know, I just pulled it off on the on the tournament based uh, against Lakinu and on the semifinal. And that man, after studying that position, I start hitting more and more on tournaments, and then I start drilling, but. Uh, it was kind of random, to be honest. So uh, we have a routine that we do on here where the uh, guest has a question for the next guest, right? So we had mm-hmm. Hibimar and Nacieli were on, on uh, our last show. While, while we play this, I forgot to warn you guys ahead of the show. Usually I give you guys a heads up. Our next guest is going to be uh, Ricardo Laborio and Murillo Bustamante, a couple of old school guys. So if you guys can think of something to ask them for the next show. So if you... Uh, mm-hmm. We could roll the asset for roll guess, the video for uh, tomorrow is uh, Edwin and Gabriel. Ed, Edwin Najmi and Gabriel Argus, the two guys for, uh, teammates from Gracie Baja. So if you guys could try and think of something to ask them uh, when they come on. Oh man! Okay, hey, Mars Bagoji. He's got a good mustache. Well, guys, now. this can be crazy, but I would love to see Hiba fighting Edwin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That. Okay. You know, this is, a, the, the, this is a match that never happened before. So I would love to see this match. Okay. I like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the question then will be to Gabriel. And would Gabriel fight me because I need to beat him to become the first off flow grappling ring? <laughs> 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 Well, gotta talk to Third Coast, man. He had the match set up and then he backed up and saying that he's doing a Grand Prix now. I was supposed to fight Hibamar, man. Hibamar is a great fighter. Like I said, he he beat me before, you know. Like uh, I I had better record against him on the collar belts, but on the black belts, pretty even. I, I'll double check, but I think he uh, he won uh, at the at that tournament, the five grappling tournament, right? He beat me and he won the whole thing. And he also won uh, one match that I got DQ in Rio. And then I beat him twice. So it's 2-2. I beat him in King of the Mets and beat him in the first year Worlds, too. Always a great match, man. Like I said, Hibamar is always, like, an overall good grappler. He does takedowns, does guard passing. So I'm interested to have him fights like this and to fight him, too, for sure. He's got to make the – he's got to tell the promoter, man, to, you know, like, you know, got to bring me in. But not you got to work with me. <laughs> yeah, Seth, Seth Daniels, if you're watching, we got to set that one up. Another fight, the wind's getting back going. 
Edvin, what do you yeah, think of that yeah. match? You got got called out twice in that in that, that interview there. <laughs> I guess everyone wants a part of the kid. Um, sure, yeah, I don't care. I've never. I, I don't think I've ever turned on the match in my life. Um, if he wants it, uh, we can make it happen. Let's go. I don't care. <laughs> I like no that. Problem. He's got to decide. He wants to fight me or Eddie. Yeah, back then. <laughs> He oh, asked. He asked practicing? for you. Nacieli said she wants uh, him to fight Edwin. That's what, that okay, so they got to make up. Got to choose one. Tell them to choose one. <laughs> I think I want to see Gabriel versus him after hearing about this 2016 match. I'm gonna go rewatch that thing tonight. That 2016 match sounds like one of the funnest Dude, matches ever. Watch that fight. That that fight, like you guys should you guys should post it on the flow. Um, in IG like that yeah. that is an insane fight like it's it's a crazy fight and then watch the Celsius fight too because they they were literally 20 minutes apart and they were probably like he was in he was in deep waters <laughs> Next, but uh he's fine back we should uh Gabriel you should come on sometime and we'll just watch that entire bracket because it sounds like it's just non-stop action it sounds pretty funny but uh watch what your entire 2016 bracket oh yeah anytime <laughs> man <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, that up. Hibmar's got the bleached hair so you know it's Hib- serious oh Hibmar yeah oh, yeah yeah He's got yeah, good bleach blonde hair. He's got a little mohawk going. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, he was a current Brown Belt uh, world champion too, and then he he won the bracket that I that I lost the previous year. So I lost Brown Belt worlds year before that to Iago, which he closed out with on the yeah. semifinals. And then so he came in on the on the worlds too on a, on a good you know like good rank, good re- uh, reputation, and and then I knew the first fight was going to be tough. And he's always tough. Yeah, you guys had a tough little uh, group of brown belt middleweights. I mean, the two Cicero guys you just said, Iago and, and Hibmar, and then you and then yeah. Dylan. Dylan was around at the same time at middleweight, wasn't he? Yep. He was uh, ahead of me yeah, when I was a purple belt. I won purple belt worlds middleweight 2014. I believe that year he won the brown belt world. Oh, okay. And he he stayed brown belt. I got uh, I got brown belt too. So we were on the same belt for a uh, yeah, for a period of time, but usually he was one bell ahead of me. Yeah, I remember Iago and him used to fight at. Uh, yeah. Know, but. So now we got to get a question from you guys for uh, Ricardo Laborio, Marilla Bustamante, a couple of IBJJF world champs from back in the day. Uh, Carlson Gracie team, BTT. Yeah, yeah. All kinds you guys of stuff. got anything you want to say to them? I mean, could be an interesting uh, thing for a question because they're from a different generation. Yeah, I think I have one in my head, but I didn't can go first if you want. Or no, yeah, both, no, you can go ahead. Both you guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think one question that comes up in my head is like, they obviously have been living in jujitsu for way longer than than us, right? So they have uh, a lot of experience in the transitions that sport had throughout the years, and um, I know there was like the the nineties had the the that stigma of jiu-jitsu being like something violent that people would beat up uh, other random people on the streets and then it took a while for us to fix that that image and then now we're living on the challenge times for more overall you know like the the society overall but obviously challenging for jiu-jitsu too so uh, maybe just like have a little bit of insight from them on what was the difference between the the difficulties we had in the nineties for what we're living right now, or or if there's any other uh, difficulties that jujitsu had throughout the years that they could share with us, I think would be a good thing that I would want to know. Great question, I love that, and uh, something I want to know more about too because I'm only sort of loosely aware. You know, I know it existed a bad reputation, but it'd be great to hear it from those guys themselves directly. Edwin, you got something? Um, 
I'm gonna ask him. I'm gonna ask them about what what do they feel about like the evolution of jiu-jitsu, the evolution of jiu-jitsu technique. Um, like in the '90s, it was obviously much more basic jiu-jitsu, right? Um, uh, like close guard, passing on the knees, all that stuff. And uh, what do they think about the new jiu-jitsu, the new crazy jiu-jitsu, the inverting, the lapels? Um, I already know they all hate 50 50. I, I hate it too. So we don't have to ask about 50 50. But what do you guys think about the evolution of Jiu Jitsu? And uh, how do you guys adapt to the evolution of Jiu Jitsu? Because um, I think that's that's a pretty hard thing to do. Even myself right now, like I feel like there's so much new Jiu Jitsu when, from when I, when I was, you know, like a lower belt. And I have to keep that thing. So I think that's an interesting topic. Absolutely. We got to post to some of. Uh... We got to pull some Waleed clips to play for these guys. Did you guys see when Waleed Ismail was on the show like a couple weeks ago? Um, I didn't because you know, uh, are, are we Team Henzo? Yeah, we're Team Henzo, right? Yeah. Or are we? Yeah, yeah, we're Team Henzo. But uh, I, I love that beef. Hopefully, we can we can. Uh... Wait, who who was the Henzo? Who Waleed? Waleed is campaigning oh, yeah. for this fight for yeah. till yeah. he dies. Oh yeah, yeah. But besides that, there was still a whole bunch of other funny stuff. He does, he is obsessed with Henzo right now. But he's besides... just so crazy, and, and like when you're so obsessed with somebody, I just feel like I, I just can't take you seriously. You know, like you just like you're begging for attention. You you what we like to call in 2020 a cloud chaser, in my opinion. So it's just like he's just like you know he's just like you know he's like ah he's like rambling, and I'm just Henzo's just playing it cool. So just from like that interaction, I'm like bro, Henzo's like he's winning this battle. Like this guy's begging for his attention. So. But we'll yeah. see. I don't know. I don't know the history. I don't know much of the history. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's see the clip. They, they, uh, no, I'm so we got to show to Bustamante and Laborio some of the stuff because they used to train with them. So they probably got some wild stories about that guy. So we have about right. five or six minutes left. Uh, can uh, I'll give you guys both an opportunity before we leave to just you know say a little parting message to everybody out there watching, all the all the fans and everybody. Maybe uh, Edwin go first. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, thank you guys for watching. Um, I know jiu-jitsu is in a tough time right now. Um, jiu-jitsu is probably going to be the last business or sport to uh, come back to normality, I would say, because of the COVID-19 crisis. But um, keep training at home. Um, keep tuning into flow grappling, all, all those whatever DVDs, techniques. Uh, keep improving, and uh, hopefully we'll be back stronger than ever. Um, it's probably going to be a mission and a journey to get back to where jiu-jitsu was. We all kind of took it for granted, but uh, if we all stay strong, stay uh, stay united as a community, uh, we'll be back stronger than ever. Go follow Edwin on Twitch. Yeah. yeah Edwin. If, you, if you're a 12-year-old orange belt and uh, or if you're an adult and you want to watch me play Warzone or Fortnite, go follow me on Twitch, Twitch slash Enajmi. <laughs> all right, Gabriel, what do you got to say? Yeah, just thank you guys for, for having us. Uh, it was a good chat. Love talking about jiu-jitsu. And matches and uh, and everything. So, same thing. I think uh, adding nail uh, nail on the hat. Like you got to stay strong. We got to stay united. You know. Hope hopefully, like things will get back to uh, our no normality sooner than later. But uh, I know I'm pretty excited to to resume. You know the fights. You know as soon as it's like safe to do it. Uh, it was a good example to to watch UFC. I watch all the fights. I. I I watched how they were doing the whole weekend, and so that that brings a uh, hope for not only jiu-jitsu but all sports to resume activities. You know, I can't wait to fight jiu-jitsu to go on tournaments, but I can't wait to watch the other sports uh, start happening too because it gives a, a better, you know, like more normality kind of sense feeling, right? So I can't wait for that. You know, stay strong, everyone, and 
And then uh, hopefully, uh, I know Edwin is going to be fighting soon. Sometime soon, he's going to be announcing. So stay tuned, and uh, and I'll probably be fighting someone soon in the next few months. So uh, in, if you guys are following Edwin on Twitch, the gamers, whoever is on the bike club, you know, follow me on Strava. We have uh, you know like monthly challenges there. The yeah, whoever likes to compete in miles and, and uh, altitude and all that kind of fun stuff. So by club, follow me on uh, on Strava. <laughs> awesome. Looking forward to seeing you guys compete. Uh, as we said, events are kicking back up. Fight to Win's got two events this weekend, Fight to Win 139 and 140. Got, a, like, I think, two every weekend coming up. That's the plan. Third Coast is coming. Spider's coming. So, yeah, live Jiu-Jitsu events are coming back. I'm excited. Thanks for calling, I boys. I got what? one good last idea. Do I, do I have time for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's it. hear it. Uh, CEO of Flow Grappling, whoever makes these decisions. What about Flow Gaming, hosted by yours truly, Edwin Najmi? Game okay. with the fans. <laughs> Get the Jiu-Jitsu esports talking going. gaming. Genius idea. Get me on the show. Call me. We could talk. We're on a bio. We'll get people. Touch with your people. Make it happen. All right. I'll talk to you guys <laughs> later. Thank you, All right, Thank Thanks for calling in. Appreciate yeah. you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good one. And still going. Still going. And we're out. Yeah, there we, there we <laughs> are. We're off, off the air now. I, I, so, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. That was a fun conversation. Oh, we lost our audio now. We can't hear you anymore, but appreciate yeah. you guys, man. That was a lot of fun. Oh, we're back. Now we're gone. See you later. Later. Yeah.